Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save big money at Menards. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in the Heart of Silicon Beach in downtown Santa Monica. Please be seated. We got a great show for you today. Um, also, congratulations to Santa Monica on finishing number 28 in the, the, the top 100 places to live. And um, but um, I don't know why we're not number one. But in any event, um, we're going to be talking crowdfunding today, and we have James Richardson from Crowdfunder, who's going to be talking to us about that kind of booming area, both in the United States and abroad. And um, and then we're also going to be talking um, about some, give you some updates. There's been a number of cases that have come down, and even a new California law. We're going to be talking about that affect social media, and um, but also very briefly a short acknowledgement as a. As a broadcaster and as a lawyer, um, today is a very important day, and also as an American. Um, today is Constitution Day. Um, it's the anniversary of when the Constitution was first signed, and it's something that is commemorated each year on this day as Constitution Day. So imagine a day without it. So um, hats off to um, our, the bold experiment that our founders never thought would um, continue this long, and it's a treat testament to all those who have come since then that it has so um just you know to give a thought today and remember how lucky we are that we live in this country with this constitution um but um this con- this country is crowded with people and one thing that 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 creates is economic opportunity and um in 2012 president obama um signed the jobs act and um prior to 2012 our um, securities offerings um, were largely regulated by laws that were passed following the Great Depression, um, designed to uh, eradicate and prevent 
um, some of the frauds that happened at that time when the market crashed. And so they've always – one of the restrictions has been um, you are not able to um, – unless it's you, you're a publicly traded company, you can't advertise your private offerings. And that was changed in the Jobs Act, which has caused some tremendous change in crowdfunding sites. And then the other is that you, you couldn't um, – you know, private offerings were limited to accredited investors who had to have certain levels of sophistication or income. And that has changed um, with the passage of the Crowdfund Act. And so we're going to talk about that in, in a second with James Richardson from Crowdfunder. James, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks for having me, Bennett. Thank you. James, tell us a little bit about um, your background in Crowdfunder. Yeah, so I actually started Crowdfunder in January of 2011. <clears throat> so this was actually pre-Jobs Act. Um, some of our co-founders were instrumental in trying to uh, push and lobby for that bill going through. Um, so we've been building a platform basically really focused on enabling equity crowdfunding and more specifically trying to empower local communities to... Um, have a voice in the businesses that are there, and to really, like like you said, unleash economic opportunity. And it's interesting. A lot of people are thinking, well, that sounds like Kickstarter, but Kickstarter is not equity. And um, and so that's also one of the, the questions you have as a, a company. You know, do I want to offer equity? Because equity means dilution. Correct. And I, I think it just depends on the phase of the business. Um, Kickstarter was really founded for creative projects, and that was really its core, like funding like creative projects, and it was a very donation-type model. It was very uh, much more focused on the arts. But it also is doing a lot of things which are like pre-sales. So for like people that actually have consumer products, a uh, donation model may work well. Right. Um, but... Even the donation model, it's not always free money, which it might may seem, especially if you're offering incentives. Some companies get in over their heads with thinking they're going to order a thousand hats or a thousand shirts, especially if it's not an offering that's like your actual core business. And then the distribution and logistics of sending that out actually ends up hurting some companies. Right. And I know, I know for example, Spike Lee was offering, if you paid $10,000, you, know, you could um, share his Knicks tickets with him. But you know that means Spike yeah. has to Spike has to go to the bird and actually watch the New York Knicks, which <laughs> lately has not been a good thing. But uh, <laughs> and I'm sorry, that's just my ritual jab at New York fans. But um, so just to be clear, we talked a little bit about the the Crowdfund Act, and um, eventually you will be able to um, have non-accredited investors purchase. Um, Stock equity in companies through um, you know approved platforms, but um, the the law was passed in in 2012, and regulations were supposed to be issued by the end of 2012, and and they actually weren't issued until um, late last year, and so we still don't have final regulations. So that that is not something that's on the table right now. What we're talking about is a law that changed the way you could um, advertise. Um, you know, public non-public offerings, private offerings, and um, so now you, your site allows has companies you know with private offerings, and you're allowed to sell to just accredited investors, correct? Correct. So the law hasn't changed where non-accredited investors can um, invest in early stage startups unless they're directly connected to the founders. Well, it's uh, changed, but the regs haven't been issued. Exactly. So okay. th that's still not happening in the ecosystem. Um, 
So only accredited investors are still able to invest, and it is true, eventually anybody's going to be able to invest, and that's when really the promise of crowdfunding would be more unlocked. Um, but so crowdfunder does have private companies doing a public offering, which is when you do that, you have an extra burden of going through a step of actually verifying. The burden mm -hmm. of proof is then on the issuer to verify the accredited investor status. Whereas if they did the traditional um, fundraising way, they don't have that extra burden of verifying the accredited investors. Um, but it, it's something that they should be doing anyway, but just nobody had been doing it prior right. to this law changing. And, and so <laughs> now that that's happening, you know, that's, that's, that's put you guys in business. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's enabling us to do like at least a part of our business. I still think we need to wait for the regular or the rest of the regulations to pass for us to really be able to like open up our full model. But yeah, it's it's enabling us to connect investors to um, good opportunities and businesses to capital that would have never been able to connect to each other. So, what are some of the success stories that you've seen on your your platform? You know, because of this, you know, some companies that um, were able to successfully utilize your platform. So, I mean, our biggest success story to date is a company called Pono, which was Neil Young's high end music player. Okay, um, they came on and pretty much it it, it crossed over um, four million dollars in donations or in reservations for investment. Because, again, they're still going to have to be vetted. Making a commitment on crowdfunder is really a non-binding commitment. Okay. Oh, so um, it's, they still have to do some final transaction with the issuer in which they confirm you're a, you're a accredited investor. Correct. Currently, okay. right now, the, um, the entire process still happens offline minus the connection. And okay. being able to like have a secure place to upload your docs and control access to the information. Um, and then have investors make reservations, and then at that point we connect you to. Okay. Um, and we help provide verify investor services um, through third parties to like verify that these accredited investors are, and we provide those uh, certifications back to the issuer. Okay. So, um, so that that's a success. And and how has you know it, it's you're you're in a market that. Is only just become in existence. How? What? What is the the curve you're seeing so far? Um, the curve in terms of growth, or just yes, it, yeah. In terms, you know, are people are people clued into this? Is it really taking off, or is kind of still in the education phase? Um, I mean, I, I still believe we're in the education phase. I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg. But I will say, at least that crowdfunder. Our numbers over the last like two to three months are like growing at a pretty exponential pace. Like I do think that people it's starting to become more um, accepted. And then what we're seeing is investors who come and make a successful commitment, and then it ends up turning into an investment on our platform, end up coming back and making a lot more um, reservations with other issuers. Well, that's interesting. So you're actually then. Yeah, because you have two challenges. The first challenge is getting, obviously, the product. You need people to put their offerings on um, your site. Yes. And um, without it, you got you know <laughs> you got Jack. But um, and then, but the other thing is, you we get consumers, and what you're saying is, once consumers are there, they look at other products, and um, that's that's a great development. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think yeah, we focus. 
mainly on the entrepreneurial experience, but I think, you know, the value of our network long term, we're well aware is our actual investors that we have like a secure place for them where they're already verified. They can make, they can find and discover good deals and that are interesting to them um, in a discreet way and be able to make a lot of good investments. At the end of the day, everybody's really trying to uh, make a return. So when you talk, when you guys your 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 salespeople have to talk to investors um, who are someone doing an offering, um, what is the what is the hurdle or the challenge you have or or do people get it and the it's you know what is it that what, what are the decision factors for them? Well, I, I think one of the big things is that right now. Even online, like a lot of people believe like it's some magical thing. It's really you're running a fundraising campaign. So if you if you're not able to raise money as a business offline, online is not really gonna be able to support you. But if you listen to this radio show, it is magical. It, it, well, it, yeah, it is magical in the sense that it opens up opportunity, but it's really about your network. Investment hasn't changed. No stranger right. that doesn't know you, doesn't know anything about you, and you have no dollars invested in your company is going to just randomly want to put up 500000 or $100,000 because we are still talking about large donation amounts in general. Um, the Pono campaign was a little bit different. We actually lowered the bar to $5,000 on that campaign, which was a very low bar, and we created a special purpose fund mm-hmm. for investing in that, which was a trial for us to basically lower the minimum investment amounts. But, yeah, so basically you know, the whole concept that the Internet has fairy dust that somehow – that that's your first hurdle. Yeah, or just tra- training the entrepreneurs that this is your fundraising campaign. Really, crowdfunding works well for closing out final dollars or giving you a place to manage your campaign. But at the end of the day, it's mainly your network. You may get tangential income, and it's that education where people have the expectation where they put up their campaign, they go through the effort, they you know they get it launched, and they don't have you know a thousand people knocking down the door. Like getting over that hurdle of disappointment is, I think, one of our biggest challenges. And then also just training them on what to do. I think something we need is more like standardized forms, right? Like, like simpler, like online way for the IRS or for somebody to to allow us to like digitally verify things better. You right. know, some more unified templates so the issuers are saying, "Oh, I'm doing a debt raise or a convertible note or." And, like, being able to provide them, a lot of these guys are first-time entrepreneurs, um, and they don't really know, they don't have all the right, you know, information. And I think you raise a very good point, because, and and to a certain extent, you know, I I practice internet law, and I often joke about how, you know, one of the advantages I have is I'm dealing with a field that didn't, you know, that just started to exist when I graduated law school. Whereas, you know, security, and I often compare to securities lawyers are dealing with laws that were passed in 1933 and 1934 with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of regulations. And, um, but you would think in all that time, they would have come up with a template that was consumer friendly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's just, you know, you have a bunch of lawyers, and sometimes things get overly complex. Yeah, I think we we have that <laughs> we have that capacity, yeah. and um, so. Um, but you're not just working here in the United States. I mean, you guys are an international company, correct? Correct. Yeah, we have a pretty large team down in Mexico. Um, that's 
you know, really working on building a product right now to help on open up the ecosystem there, which is a totally different um, ecosystem with a different culture. Like, um, we're looking at, like, a revenue share model down there, mm-hmm. which we think works the best. Um, the, the culture really doesn't support equity investment like it does in the U.S. as strongly. So, like, a revenue share model is something that, you know, we think is going to work very well. So, how, I mean, obviously, the United States, very highly regulated markets, you know, in large part due to the the great um, crash in 33 and, or whatever it was. Um, How do the other markets you do your working with compare? I mean, every market's the same. They're all going to be complex. Um, You know, Mexico has its own set of laws and regulations. And they're still kind of putting it together. I think countries are starting to deal with this one-off. I think right now in Italy, they have the first full-blown, they allow crowdfunding. They just don't have the strong startup ecosystem mm-hmm. to really like fully capitalize on it yet. Um, but it's interesting because you did mention that these are all based on these old laws. And what's really interesting is that the Internet or putting things online actually, I think, creates a lot more security than um, what was previously done, where everything's happening offline, you're showing different term sheets to different people or different things. This actually gives one place where everything's transparent. There's like an audited history of when documents were changed or uploaded. Right. You can send good- out up- updated templates. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's a very, I was just saying, that's a very important point because... You know the the state laws that regulate you know securities mm-hmm. trading are called blue sky laws, because the you know, back at the back in the day that you know the um, the people selling you know various securities would promise everything but you know the big but the blue sky above you, <laughs> and yeah. um, and so that's how they got known as because there was so much fraud, and um, and so yeah if you if you have something. That's really egregious, and today with social media, I mean that's going, that's going to get picked up. Exactly, and, and you're connecting. I mean, as an issuer, you're connecting your real social graph, right? So if you have one follower on LinkedIn, and this isn't the, it actually helps identify people, and it is your plumbing into your network, right? That mm-hmm. gives investors, especially you know, depending on the stage of the business and a seed stage, you're investing in the team, the people. So it's really about the people you know, people you know that are connected to this company. That's the stuff that's important, and you really can't get that any other way. And right. it, cre- it creates that security that this is that person, right? Uh, and we can verify the documents. So I, I do think that once this opens up, it's going to actually reduce fraud as well. That's a great point. And the other thing is um, when I'm sitting in your living room you know, telling you to invest in um, snakeoil.com, <laughs> I wonder if that's taken. Um you know, no one, no one is there to hear whatever it is I'm telling you. Oh, you know, we're going to make millions and billions, and you yep. know, just just sign here and give me your checkbook. Um, but online, you know, I can, you know, Mister Mister Joe SEC regulator um, can be sitting at his desktop or even you know just looking at his, his iPad on the subway home, and he can he can discover this stuff. Exactly. So, and I think on the flip side of that, the verify investor um, requirement for doing a public offering right now mm-hmm. really is what should be being done on private offerings. It's just it's never been done, like you said. Nobody ever really enforced any of that stuff, so they're going to still let that slide. But really, the requirement of having to verify that these people are who they say they are is something issuers should be doing. So um, in, in terms of how how you see this playing out, what – 
is is how important are the regs being finalized on the crowdfunding side important to your future growth or do you think actually you know you have a, a healthy market as it is even without that I mean, I think there's a healthy market on the accredited investor side, um, but I, I think I think the regulations are important. More importantly, for like to fuel real economic growth. Um, so I, I think they're going to change. I don't think the regu- the law as it was passed is going to be exactly what happened. I, I really believe that they're going to either really need to create like a new share of stock specifically for this kind of event, right? Because no, no issuer really is going to allow a bunch of people that directly on their cap table who could sue them for like a hundred dollars or a thousand dollar investment because the legal cost offsets. Right. If I'm uh, a plaintiff's lawyer, I'm going to I'm going to buy up all those shares. You know, the hundred yeah. there, hundred there. That's that's my that's my meal ticket. Exactly. So that that has to be protected. You know, right now with Pono, we dropped it to five thousand, and we created like a special purpose vehicle just to. Um, like basically take a bunch of small investments and then become one larger investment onto uh, Pono's cap table. Um, and so, or some structure like that is going to need to be in place. And um, so we're going to take a sh- short break. Um, we'll be back. We're talking with James Richardson of Crowdfunder um, about the state of crowdfunding today and um, two years after the Jobs Act. We'll be back after these messages. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm and iHeartRadio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess, our sponsors. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, so social the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your facebook contest and sweepstakes create a fun easy to win contest by writing a simple facebook post watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction track your traffic and generate email lists with ease so social is mobile friendly and complies with facebook terms of service let so social give your facebook page some flash today zoom over to zosocial.com the best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on, on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. 
only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. This is Ben and Kelly. We're talking with James Richardson at crowdfunder.com. And uh, just to add to an earlier comment, we were talking about snake oil. Snakeoil.com actually is taken. <laughs> there you go. I, I wonder who's using it. Um, but um, so um, best of luck to you out there, Mr. Snake Oil. But um, so why do people choose your your platform? Because there are other crowdfunding platforms. Why do they choose yours over other vehicles? Yeah, so I, I think people looking to do like equity crowdfunding, I mean, obviously if you're going to do donation, I think Kickstarter or Indiegogo is probably your best bet. But people that are doing uh, equity crowdfunding, the great part about it is they really don't have to choose us over other vehicles because we kind of encourage people to post their deal on other networks too. It's not really a zero-sum game. Like, we're all trying to bring investment dollars to one company. So if one platform can bring one investor and another, mm-hmm. it's a win for the company to close those dollars. So it's really, and we're not tied, unlike Kickstarters that's taking a percentage of the fees raised, we're not really tied to the success that way, where we don't really need to make sure that all the dollars are gathered in one spot. You know, and of course, people are still raising money offline. So I think that's really the other great thing about crowdfunding is that, like, it's not a competition, right? We're all trying to, with the end goal of raising capital for a company. So it's like one large network. And, and so, um, and so you, you say people would actually list on multiple networks. Correct. Yeah. Lots of, lots of, because a lot of times like, uh, on a site like angel list, it's, you know, it's free to list. I mean, they have a, a lot of deals and they're really focused more on your, the syndicate model where you're investing in an investor, but people can put their, thing up there it's a it's a source of traffic like we encourage like people that are doing a big raise to like manage their raise on our site because we provide them some specific analytics but wherever they can you know again it's a campaign you're trying to raise money from as many investors as possible or find key investors that are strategic okay um and um now what when you talk to your, your clients what are they most surprised about the experience I mean, I think it varies from person to person. We've we've had a, a company called Tradia that um, is like a bartering platform that came on and they were trying to raise money for six months, like a five hundred thousand dollar convertible note. Awesome. They closed like two hundred k. They they closed very fast, and one of the in the first like four days, in the second day, he got a strategic investor that's now advising his company, like from the from the Midwest, a doctor somewhere that's actually help, really helping his business. So just, just through the listing on the site? Just through the listing on the site. And he was, you know, that's not everybody gets that experience, but, you know, it's, it's interesting because you're connecting a little bit further. And if you do have some traction or social proof or, you know, some investment already in your uh, deal, you know, people are looking for opportunities to invest. So there's definitely a need out there. And, um, are there certain segments you're finding that people are responding to more? Um, you know, is it medical, technology, um, consumer goods? That seem. You know, is there any one vertical that does better in a crowdfunding um, scenario? Um, you know, I, I don't really know. I think we're still gathering data on our end, and I'm kind of a data person, so I would want to get more information. I know CircleUp is really a crowdfunding platform focused only on consumer brands, mm-hmm. and I think they're doing very well. I think consumer products are interesting because they do you can cross that rewards equity 
barrier because you have something you can really offer that's viable. Right, and it's something a consumer understands. Exactly. Um, so, but then I think it depends on the investor, and that's really what we're trying to gauge. I think so. I think social impact or social enterprise type businesses are going to work very well for crowdfunding because it's like, hey, I'm going to invest in this company and I may make a return, but it's also cause aligned. They're trying to like clean water in Africa, like use part of their profits to do that. So I think there's going to be like a growing trend in um, helping fund social enterprise. I, I really do think it's going to be transformative longer term for brick and mortar small businesses. Um, because I, I don't think the tech startups are really good for crowdfunding in terms of just helping close a little bit of dollars. Those are who VCs and angel investors are already serving. Those are the people that have the thousand X exits. But for regular people, that's extremely risky too. Like yes. both of them fail. So the brick and mortar small businesses, you're investing like in a revenue share in this restaurant that's been open for 20 years and they want to open a new uh, location across town. So instead of them going to the bank and getting a $400,000, $500,000 loan at 6% and all the patrons having their money in savings accounts making under 1%, the community can actually invest directly in that. Now the business gets people that are going to like evangelize you know, their business. Now they're like a part owner. And they're getting a steady return, which is greater than the, if they kept their money in the bank. Right. And then they're going to go there, eat there every week or whatever. And exactly. Everybody wins. And except for, like, I mean, it keeps the money in the community and not sitting in the financial institutions being loaned back out to the community. The only downside is that they have a rope line. You have the investor going in saying, don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give them a card. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Let them in. Um, so. Yes. You know, so how are you, what are you doing to build awareness about you know, crowdfunding and, and your network in general? I mean, we're just barely starting to market. I mean, like, again, this is a new industry, and we're really trying to figure out what makes the most sense. So we're trying to, like, work with a couple key campaigns and really try to get some insight and analysis. Um, so really, we don't know. And... Um, and in terms of um, where you see your, yourself going, you mentioned you know some social impact type of, uh, offerings. Is that something you think you might do? You know, obviously not just do equity, but also do do you know something like you know um, some other the nonprofit type stuff and 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 charity fundraising or or any other type of fundraising for that matter. So we're definitely right now only focused on for profit businesses. Um, and we, we do have a couple good companies and we've helped raise, we have a pretty decent investor network that actually is interested in social enterprise, but those are really for profit businesses that mm -hmm. have a social cause. So like for every pair of headphones they sell, they help restore child, a hearing for a deaf child, okay. but they're still like making money to, to like, sus to sustain themselves and sure. to benefit that cause. So I think that's where it's good because it's actually a business trying to make money. So you, I still could get a return. I'm not donating the money. Um, but it's also creating like it's cause along with me. So if I lose my money, I'm not as sad about it. Right. Um, and you know, and obviously if you've donating to a charity, you, you by definition are losing that money and you're okay with that. But, um, so when the regs, do you have any insight or when the regs are becoming out from the SEC? I mean, it seems to it took, a over almost a year over just to get the regs and, um, the draft, and I don't know if you've heard, you heard any scuttlebutt about when they might be coming out to finalize. I, I, yeah, I've heard different things. I, I'd rather not speculate. Um, again, I think there's, you know, just with the change in laws now and with, you know, the 
all the equity platforms that there are kind of gearing up, there's still a lot of opportunity to create at this level and, you know, kind of figure stuff out before we open up the masses. It, it, it may be smart to get some of the, like, how, how do we pay investors or how, how do we facilitate the actual, like, stock offering in place before, you know, those regs all get finalized. Okay. Um, so in, we only have a few minutes left um, in this segment. Do you – anything you want to tell us about – what you guys are up to or people want to find out more information where they can go? Yeah, I mean, so we're definitely more than happy to, like, you know, talk to anybody, especially if you're trying to raise capital or if you're an investor, just kind of curious about how the process works. Feel free to go to our site uh, at crowdfunder.com and sign up for an account. Um, you can email support at crowdfunder.com. Um, and somebody will get back to you really shortly. Like, we're really trying to take, like, a customer-driven approach and, like, really see the experience through other people's eyes. So anybody that wants to kind of reach out, uh, you can find us there. And um, you know, I, I do recommend the site, actually, and the blog has a lot of interesting insights, um, you know, some videos explaining how it works and even some infographics. So um, even, if you just want information on crowdfunding, and, you know, the, it's a great site to go to. And uh, um, so I definitely recommend it. And, and remember James. I think, you know, James, this is the name you're going to be hearing more in this industry. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I you have if we're still doing the show ten years from now that you'll be talking about another success story. But um, congratulations on everything you've done at Crowdfunder, and um, you know it definitely is a um, exciting offering, and uh, it'd be interesting to see how this grows. All right, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for your time, James. All right, bye. So in um, the second segment of the show, we're going to be going over some of the new um, developments that have occurred um, recently. And um, one of the most significant developments that has occurred is that the Ninth Circuit has affirmed the dismissal of a lawsuit against Yelp. And Yelp seems to be the one um, kind of social review site that everyone seems to hate. Um, and, and there may be good reason for that, actually. Um, Yelp has a, a curious business model in which um, they actually Yelp um, they actually write some of the reviews of the consumer you know, of some of the people that advertise on the site, and then they um, though they deny doing this, there seems to be a record of them uh, actually um, offering people um, if they purchase advertising through Yelp that negative reviews will be treated differently or you know something else to that effect, and so um, it's it's become a much hated site because of that. Um, businesses have been often complained, and so what happened in the um, Ninth Circuit was there was a lawsuit that basically said that Yelp's practice of saying, "Hey, if you um, if you do it our way, and um, you know we will buy in advertising, you know, you'll have more favorable reviews and." Um, they basically charged that that was extortionate, and um, and so they argue that also was an unfair business practice, and so it, it went to um, a complaint, and it was they moved to dismiss, and the uh, Ninth Circuit upheld the dismissal, um, and basically there was a couple of key points, and um, the biggest point was that to state it, to state a claim for extortion. You know, while we often use the term in the vernacular um, as meaning, you know, certain things, you know, the, the law is quite precise on what extortion is. And the, the court said that to state a claim for extortion, um, 
uh, economic extortion under both federal and California law, a litigant must demonstrate either that he has a pre-existing right to be free from threat and harm or that the defendant had no right to seek payment for the services offered. And, you know, and so what we may think something sounds extortionate because, you know, there is some element of threat associated with the payment. Um, but the law is clear. It's only extortion if it's something you don't have a right to offer, um, a right to demand, or it's a you know it's a, a penalty you don't have a right to impose. And clearly, you know, Yelp is free to do what they wish on their site. Um, now, on the question of unfair business practice, this is this issue is not really finally resolved. While this case was dismissed, um, it was partly dismissed because the. Um, the plaintiffs really didn't have sufficient evidence that Yelp was actually involved in the reviews themselves. And um, so, um, and that's what really led to um, the Ninth Circuit's decision. So there are still, um, there are still a few um, issues that Yelp still could have um, liability. One is there's a pending claim for false advertising. Um, that Yelp um, falsely advertises its product, and um, and then there's another claim for securities fraud that Yelp didn't adequately disclose its um, the way its um, system works, and that it is engaged in this kind of extortionate and uh, um, behavior, and so um, that is and that was part of the decision. And also, frankly, I think the fact that Yelp employees may be involved in the review and the fact that if it is true that buying advertising um, affects the uh, where reviews are placed, um, on, theoretically under the FTC guidelines, then um, you know, they would have to um, disclose really that there's consideration given for this review um, or consideration given um, for the placement of this review, and I'm not sure that's something Yelp is prepared to um, do. But you know, it's it's arguably something that they could be required to under the FTC guidelines. So um, that is all we have on on that case. Also, I want to congratulate Ashley Berenger, the lawyer for Yelp, who handled it. Um, she's someone I've worked with in prior cases, and she's now since moved on to Facebook. But um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have further updates on case law and California law um, and new social media law um, after these messages. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm and iHeartRadio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Hey, this is Dan. I want to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. 
Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I signed us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. We're back. This is Bennett Kelly um, with our second segment, and we're covering um, some updates in the law and some news um, to share. And very briefly, um, California has passed a new law that um, prohibits companies from, they may not, include in any consumer contract a provision waiving the consumer's right to make any statement regarding the seller or lesser or its employees or agents or concerning the goods and services. The law is just one more example of how um, Cleargear's uh, attempt to um, – they actually had a clause in their um, – contract that um, penalized companies. Um, they had a non-disparagement, and if anyone wrote a negative review, they were liable for like something in the order of $2,500. And um, when someone posted a negative review about them, they sent a demand for the amount, and when the amount wasn't paid, they actually reported it to the credit reporting agency. That led to um, a lawsuit being brought against them, which, which they didn't oppose, um, but they ended up getting uh, several thousand dollars uh, imposed against them in, in um, lawyer fees. And so um, it was a stinging defeat for them. And then that led to specifically to this law being passed. Um, the sponsor expressly excited the, um, cited to the clear gear example. And um, so definitely um, shows that if you step too far, people will notice. And um, and clearly, clear gears screw up is now um, something that the whole state of California will benefit from. Um, and another major development last week was Slowdown Day, and um, it wasn't the day to talk slowly, but it was a day to um, the websites to show what would happen if there was um, an internet fast lane, and companies and the ISPs were allowed to slow you down as as, as they wished. And um, so the numbers were quite impressive. Um, over 2 million people took action, um, over 300,000 calls, and um, over 2 million emails to Congress. And the more important thing is, is that the comments to the FCC on their pending net neutrality proposal um, surpassed 3 million. 
and therefore um, it made it uh, the the most commented FCC issue ever, um, surpassing the um, notorious what has been dubbed Nipplegate um, in terms of whether or not to sanction. Uh, I believe it was CBS for um, the halftime show at the Super Bowl um, de- decade ago with the Patriots in the Carolina, where um, Justin Timberlake accidentally had a had a wardrobe malfunction with Janet Jackson, um, exposing her breasts. So um, then that's a it's nice to have at least a more substantive issue be the one that is most commented in history. I think these groups deserve a hats off for their effort in getting comments, but also a large, a lot of praise goes to John Oliver and uh, his show um, generated over a million comments. It's in itself right immediately after um, he just lashed into the FCC for their position on this issue. So um, definitely a big development there. Um, uh, Another major decision was that the court has allowed a class action lawsuit against Adobe um, for um, their data breach to proceed. Um, Adobe was trying to argue that the the people lack standing because they can't show that they've been harmed. But given that the high risk of harm should their identities be revealed um, and their credit card information, et cetera, that become revealed, the court said that's a sufficient risk for them um, to to proceed and to allow them the lawsuit to proceed, um, so that's a, a major development that occurs at the very time Home Depot it was announcing what may be the largest data breach in history. Um, the Adobe breach is among the top ten in history, but um, looks like Home Depot is quickly jumping to number one. And um, these are important developments because I think one thing that is going to be important to create greater security in this area isn't just regulation, but it's also creating a market mechanism that rewards and punishes um, those who actually take appropriate um, safeguards to prevent data breaches. Not to say that any of these companies haven't done so, um, because who knows, maybe, I think regardless of what you do, you still may be breached, even if you have the best security. I mean, we just don't know that for certain at this point. But um, at least you, know, you want to make car companies making the necessary investment to protect the data they have. Um, we do have a, a, one other news is that um, in terms of the new um, generic top-level domains, um, we have a milestone that has been reached. XY7, um, excuse me, XYZ um, has become the um, first generic top-level um, domain to surpass 500,000 registrations. And um, so it's become a popular domain. Um, in terms of some of the other popular domains, um, Dr. Lin is doing particularly well. And um, they're, they're up there. There's only a couple of domains, actually, that have exceeded um, 100,000 um, registrations. And, and um, .Berlin and .xyz are two of them. So, um, and today is the day .Vegas is launching. And so if you consider yourself a Mr. Vegas, today is your day to jump in. Um, so um, we do have a couple of shout-outs to make. On Monday, CBS will be premiering its new series called Scorpion. And for those of you who are familiar with the show, you will know that that um, name is the hacker name for Walter O'Brien. Um, Walter was on one of our first shows and in our first anniversary show. Um, he's uh, uh, basically a, a genius whiz 
um, does a lot in computer security, and they've made his life story, including the compelling story of how he hacked NASA at the age of 12, which he recounted on our show, um, into a series. And so Scorpion premieres um, on Monday um, and after um, in, on CBS. So definitely check it out. Um, and uh, it, it should be a, a great show. I saw that we posted on our blog um, at um, Cyber Report Radio, excuse me, Cyber Law Radio um, dot WordPress, uh, a little preview of the show. So definitely check it out. It's, it's definitely something you want to take a look at. Um, and I also want to do a shout out a friend, our friend John Sullivan. Um, he just recently premiered a movie called um, Point um, Fort Bliss, and Fort Bliss is actually an actual um, base, mil- um, army base in um, New Mexico, right by the Texas border. And um, it's a movie with you know a great cast, including John Savage, who was in The Deer Hunter. Um, it's a great cast that um, tells the story of uh, of a woman in the army, a med tech coming home um, after a long deployment in Afghanistan and, and dealing with that issue and all that's involved. And then also dealing with the potential for being called up again. And <clears throat> it was a great um, expose and insight into um, the lives of the, the guardsmen and the, um, the, the soldiers, many whom have, in fact, most of whom have done multiple tours in Afghanistan and Iraq these last 10 years. And so it's a very insightful movie. And tonight they're actually showing a screening at the um, Arlington National Cemetery in um, right across from the Capitol. And um, so it should be a great event if you get a chance to see it. And it also falls on a very significant day. Not only is today Constitution Day, but today is also the bloodiest day in American history. Today was the Battle of Antietam in the Civil War where at one point um, casualties were occurring at a, a one per second. Um, and over 23,000 Americans um, were killed, um, injured, or um, lost and disappeared um, on that day in, in this relatively placid um, field in Antietam. But it was also a turning point in the war since it stopped um, Lee's advance into the north. And so Antietam, Maryland, is always a very somber place. But um, you may recall on 9-11, when we're talking about how horrific a day it was, it still wasn't um, didn't match the carnage that occurred that one single day in this quiet, sleepy town in Maryland. So um, shout-outs there. Also, um, on, if you go to the blog, there's a link. Um, we're making a proposal to speak at Affiliate Summit West, which will be coming up in January 2005. And um, we have a proposal to speak on the um, seven deadly sins of affiliate marketing um, from a legal perspective. So um, we hope you'll check it out. Um, if you're so inclined, there's a link where you can vote. Um, voting is going on right now, and you can vote um, for our panel. Um, I hope you'll, you'll enjoy, I hope you're so inclined, and uh, we love to present it. So we're, we're pitching it as a vote for sin. And what you know, the combination of sin and Las Vegas should be sufficient, and we hope to win. But um, so, please take a look at that if you do get a moment. Now, um, other things in the news that we wanted to highlight, and it is Constitution Day, and today is um, the anniversary of Antietam. Um, today's also the, found- the anniversary of the founding of Boston. So, to all your Bostonian um, fans out there, and uh, you know, it may not be the best time of year watching the, the season end with a uh, um, with the with, uh, 
with no playoff hopes for the Red Sox. Um, but it will be a, definitely an exciting set of playoffs um, with all the different possibilities of a, a Beltway series. You could have a Bay series with um, Oakland and San Francisco. You could have a, a Southern California series between the Dodgers and the Angels. So it definitely looks like it could be an interesting day. Um, but um, interesting series, I mean. So definitely um, hats off to Boston. You've been a great part of this country. And uh, um, as a New Englander, um, cheers to you and enjoy this special day. Um, so that's about all we have for today. Um, we'll, next week we're going to be talking um, on a number of different issues. And uh, we, we try to bring you up to date on the latest on what's going on in the Internet and the world around you. And um, so if there are any issues that you think aren't being covered, just let us know. Contact us through Webmaster Radio, or you can contact me through my blog or at, at internetlawcenter.net. Um, just let us know. Our Twitter is CyberLawRadio, um, as well as InternetLawCent. I just, you know, there's only so many characters and you can't have the ER. Let us know what you think. Um, we're happy to have your feedback, um, but it's, um, we're just here um, trying to tell it like it is from the heart of Silicon Beach, where it is especially hot today. We were setting records in the hundreds again, and uh, so, um, which is really going to present challenges for us here, um, give with the heat and the drought, um, definitely major fire risk. But um, next week, we have our Art Neal, who works with the New Media Rights Project, and, uh, you know, I've, I've ta- I met him a couple of years ago, and, you know, they work on and trying to get, you know, rights and um, to... Um, Two works and um, to, and it's interesting. We're going to talk about more. Um, but I, I met him two years ago. I'm like, dude, you have to be on our show. And um, we just it just took us a while to get there. One last um, development, and this is um, unfortunately we're not going to be able to get the uh, the party on our show. Um, the copyright office dealt with a dispute with Wikipedia and this other person over who owns the copyright to a photograph taken by a monkey. And apparently nobody does. And um, if it's taken by an animal, it is in the public domain. So for all of you relying on monkeys and other animals to perform your works that are copyrightable, um, think twice. Um, so sorry for the monkey lobby. Um, you guys are going to have to do something to change the law. But um, enough monkeying around. Um, this is all we have for this week. Um, join us next week on Cyberlaw Business Report. I want to thank again um, all of you for listening. And um, thanks to James Richardson um, at Crowdfunder. Check them out. It's definitely a, a hot area for the future. And then join us next week on another edition of Cyberlaw Business Report. This is Bennett Kelly. Um, we'll see you next week. Um, check us out at uh, internetlawcenter.net. And um, till then, have a safe week. Court is adjourned. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.